Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. There have been a number of court decisions on Second Amendment rights this year. As we speak, Oregon's gun control measure is challenged in both federal and state courts. Joining us next to discuss the lawsuits, we have Sam Parides, a spokesperson for Gun Owners of America. Sam Parides, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Sam, the issue of the uh, Second Amendment makes its way in and out of the news cycle. Uh, there is a case right now in the state of Oregon that's underway that has many gun owners concerned. Uh, if you could tell us about what's uh, happening there. Sure. Um, there were multiple lawsuits filed in federal court against uh, Measure 114, uh, which was probably the most comprehensive gun control measure that's been placed on the ballot uh, countrywide this last election cycle. Um, it has to do with magazines and and uh, 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 training and, and permits required before you can buy guns and ammunition and all, all manner of other things. Uh, Gun Owners of America, Gun Owners Foundation, uh, decided to file a case in state court uh, because we believe that it was a violation of the Oregon Constitution as well as the federal Constitution. And since the Oregon Constitution is analogous to the Second Amendment, we thought it was a, a good case to file. We did so. The lower court uh, held in our favor and issued a temporary restraining order preventing the law from going into effect. Um, this uh, this week, I believe we're going to have a uh, hearing on uh, turning that into a, a, uh, a stay, a temporary stay, which will prevent it from going into effect while the entire legal process goes on. The state of Oregon appealed the temporary restraining order to the state Supreme Court, and the state Supreme Court said, no, they rejected the uh, the request from the state to lift the temporary restraining order. So for now, Oregonians uh, have their Second Amendment rights. They can buy guns and ammunition and magazines um, like they always have. Now, um, do you see there being any national implications uh, over this lawsuit? Absolutely. Uh, just because we filed in state court does not mean that it, it will not have a federal impact because the arguments that are being used uh, on this issue are the same ones that are that are being uh, used on all of the, the federal lawsuits that are taking place. And frankly, there are, are cases across the country challenging onerous uh, gun control laws, laws that violate the Second Amendment uh, and did not use the Bruin test of text, history, and tradition to decide those cases. So uh, this is an important case. And if it had no uh, national implications, the fact that it protects the Second Amendment rights of Oregonians, that is good enough. But we're, we're happy to report that we believe that it will also have national implications as well. Now, it seems as though it's been, you know, for the most part, just a gradual march to restrict guns and gun ownership. Lots of playing defense, if you will, for, uh, you know, people that are pro-Second Amendment. Have there been any major wins uh, for the Second Amendment, or is there anything on the horizon? Oh, man. Thank you for the, 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 the softball here. In fact, uh, since earlier this year, when the United States Supreme Court ruled in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin case, 
where there was a challenge of New York's concealed carry weapons permits laws, uh, the Supreme Court gave us a new standard. It used to be that judges across the country would use a two-step judicial process in order to justify any form of gun control that the government policymakers would come up with. Well, the Supreme Court said that the two-step process is now one step too long, that the only process they can use is to see if it violates the Second Amendment, then it is unconstitutional. Now, the Supreme Court said that this isn't a straitjacket on policymakers, but it also isn't a blank check. And the blank, the, the policymakers have been uh, going, leaning towards the blank check side of the equation. And in fact, um, almost every lawsuit across the country that has been in play, legal challenge on, the, uh, on uh, gun control laws, we have been victorious on or are in the process of being victorious on, whether it's Colorado, Texas, New York, it, 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 uh, now in Oregon, uh, we're winning virtually every test, every test that, 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 that has been put against the Second Amendment, and that is a beautiful thing. Sam Prides, really appreciate your insight. Thank you. It's a pleasure. The world's largest chip maker, the Taiwan-based TSMC, is tripling its investment in Arizona. The chip giant plans to build two plants. They're worth a total of $40 billion. To discuss this historic investment, we spoke to the president and CEO of the Greater Phoenix Economic Council, Chris Camacho. Chris Camacho, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me today. Chris, Taiwan's semiconductor manufacturing company, uh, the largest chip manufacturing company in Taiwan, has just made a significant investment in manufacturing in your state of Arizona. Aside from it being one of the largest uh, investments by a foreign co uh, company in the United States, what else is significant about this deal? Well, TSMC is the global leader in chip production, and having a major investment from them on U.S. Uh, soil is a very significant thing for the United States government. Uh, whether that is uh, the direct supply uh, chain base that affects our U.S. Uh, military or uh, a number of consumer product companies that need these chips to integrate into their consumer products here in the United States, it's a tremendous advantage both economically, uh, but certainly to have uh, a stark leader like TSMC in our community is certainly a, a boon for our community. Just out of curiosity, is Arizona starting to see a bit of a tech boom with folks looking to flee California? We know Texas has seen a lot of uh, businesses leaving, even such as uh, Tesla's headquarters. Yeah, today there's over 100,000 uh, workers here in Greater Phoenix of the 5 million people that work directly in semiconductor and semiconductor-related industries. And so the major advancements in semicon, advanced electronics, energy, we're certainly a market of the future as it relates to companies wanting to make strategic investments. And companies like uh, LG Energy out of South Korea to firms like Gulfstream, many others have decided to bring their business to Phoenix uh, because it's a, a very high quality of life, but also a very pro-business environment led by uh, Governor Ducey and all the mayors in this region that work cooperatively to induce investment here in the metro market. Now, there were some folks that were skeptical uh, over the uh, CHIPS Act, uh, the bipartisan bill that was uh, passed recently. Um, is this a good sign that the CHIPS Act is actually starting to bear fruit? 
Well, I can tell you we've worked for the last two years as uh, the CHIPS conversation came about and working with uh, Senator Mark Kelly, uh, Senator Cinema here in the state of Arizona to work vigorously to uh, push CHIPS to a conclusion. As we were seeing not only the EU, China, uh, South Korea, other markets across the world were building their CHIPS strategy. And unfortunately, we were falling further behind here in America. And so fortunately, we had the leadership in Congress to get that done. Uh, it's led to a number of investments here in, in Metro Phoenix alone. 15 companies, uh, including TSMC, have decided to make these major announcements here in the metro market. Uh, in addition to that, it's really encouraged and, and driven uh, universities like Arizona State University to further invest in the engineering capacity uh, to meet the needs of this growing sector. So today there's 30,000 engineers uh, in this, in, uh, at Arizona State University at the Ira Fulton School. So these are the kind of uh, moves that, that kind of federal policy drives that affect communities in a very positive way. So we're certainly happy to see that get done. Now, a lot of folks also said that the uh, CHIPS Act was going to help us compete with uh, China or against China, depending on how you look at it. Um, does this indirectly affect China in a positive or negative way? How do you see it? Well, the Chinese and U.S. economy are certainly interdependent. They're still unequivocally linked. So um, I think part of the, the, the major process or focus for U.S. technology companies was, one, driving more of the supply chain on U.S. soil uh, would not only geopolitically be an advantage for them, uh, but arguably uh, you know, really tie redundant supply chains or bring more healthy supply chains to bear. And so while I do believe there's a, an anti-globalization sentiment afoot, uh, I do believe North America is going to have to compete in a very different way over the next five decades. So uh, the U.S.-China you know, relations continue to be you know, up and down. Uh, I will tell you our relationship with Taiwan is as strong as it's ever been, and we're going to continue to work with uh, the Taiwanese government as well as Taiwanese companies as they want to invest in the United States. And, and uh, we'll be spending uh, the first quarter uh, for a bit in Taiwan and working with a number of their, their companies that wish to expand uh, to secure their supply chain base here in the United States. Chris Camacho, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's nice to speak with you today. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.